Welcome to the Manifestor's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Candy Nairobi Santana, law graduate turned actress, author, and producer. I believe life is all about creating from a place of wisdom, love, and courage. Each episode, we will bring you inspiring stories and messages to help you create your dream life today. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Manifestor's Journey podcast. This week's guest is Christopher Rivas. He is a championship storyteller, educator, and speaker based in Los Angeles, California. Human narratives are his single greatest passion. He gets to work with companies all over the world using the power of personal storytelling to craft and unlock messages that are fun, honest, memorable, relatable, and most importantly, stories that matter. He has developed storytelling workshops and spoken for the WWE, United Nations High Commission for Refugees, Hollywood Heart Foundation, and more. Chris is also an actor and can be seen on many television shows. This episode was truly a pleasure to discuss so many topics. We talked about colorism, storytelling, healing, and all of these topics that are very prevalent nowadays for artists and how we can move forward following our passion and our dreams. So I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. And again, we are now on YouTube, so head to Candy Nairobi TV, or you can look up Candy Santana, the Manifestor's Journey podcast, and there you will find previous interviews. If you guys really like this episode, make sure to share, subscribe, and share this with anyone who you think will feel inspired and motivated. And thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Christopher, thank you so much for being here today. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so happy to have you on here as a guest. I'm happy to be here. I am honored. I've watched you perform, your story. You're truly an inspiration. Um, And I really, really... One of the things I really like about you, actually, since we're going to get right into it, your Instagram, the videos that you make on there, I feel like they're so vulnerable, so real, so authentic. And on top of that, I feel like you live that message. Just in case you don't feel that all the time, know that I think that. Thank you. I try. <laughs> so thank you for being on here. Um, let's get right into it. So you're an actor. I'm an actor. Have you always <laughs> been an actor? Uh, yeah, ever since I saw Peter Pan yeah? uh, in like the fifth grade, I, th- I think that's what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's evolved. So I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. But but acting is it brings me a ton of joy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you're from New York. I'm from New Dominican. York. Dominican. Dominican from New York. Hello, everyone. Hi. Um, and so did you did you study right out of high school? Like this, I'm going to study. I studied acting. in high school. Okay. I did like the whole fame school thing. Where did so you go? I went to Talent Unlimited. We like to call it TU because Talent Unlimited sounds weird. <laughs> you know. Um, where's, where's Talent Unlimited? It's on 68th Street between 1st and 2nd. So okay. it's the old Julia Richmond complex, which back in the day had this crazy fire. Okay. It was like a, a very famous fire that this whole high school Burnt down. Burnt down. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they turned it into six specialized high schools, including a performing arts high school. And okay. So that's where I went. Okay. So you did that in high school then? I did. And how was that experience for you? Uh, you guys performed plays and stuff like that? The whole thing. Plays, dance classes, movement classes, uh, auditioning they playing, taught you being, all of that? They taught us That's all that. Amazing. They tried. They tried. They did their best. <laughs> I mean, there's colleges that don't teach you that. So that's yeah. amazing that you started so young. Um, how was that for, you know, I had a guest on. She's a celebrity hairstylist and she come, she's Dominican too. And immigrant parents and the idea of having a child as an artist. You know, how was that for you? How how was your family when, when they saw like, okay, this is what Chris wants to do. Were they supportive or... Where, did they try to tell you, like, go do something more secure? How was that? I always feel extremely blessed because my parents didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> uh, and because my parents didn't know what they were doing, it, it, it caused them to, um, they couldn't really say no. Mm. Because their parents constantly said no to them. And their parents didn't really help them. And so my parents made one commitment. And that commitment was like, we're going to give our kids everything we never had. And for them, the most basic was, like, not worrying about where our food came from. Right. And then after that, it was just, like, don't say no. Unless he wants to, like, murder somebody, like, right. let's let our kids smile. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I just don't think they had the language to want me to be a doctor. Because 
who's a doctor in my f-? like? I don't think they had the language to mm-hmm. to, to say no, no. That's that's a silly pipe dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were happy enough that I was smiling, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't smile as much as kids, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when they were kids. So so I got lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were your parents, or are they, a source of inspiration for you now for your art? And how you tell your stories and how yeah, you a little live. Too, a little too much so. <laughs> uh, my dad comes up in a lot of my work as okay. a storyteller, as a writer, as a mm-hmm. creator. Um, mm-hmm. I find a lot of inspiration in him. He's like a, mm-hmm. he's got mad wisdom with a hammer, you know. Um, right. He ain't soft about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's mm-hmm. pretty hardcore. Um, and I don't even know if he knows it's wisdom sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I see that. Um, and then my mother... I got all of her uh, emotional intelligence. Right. And so that allows me to be as good and receptive as I think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, because she feels like a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Is she like empathetic? She's or? very empathetic to mm. the point of, sorry, Ma. Uh, to <laughs> sorry. The, to the point where it uh, it causes a lot of suffering, mm. you know, because empathy is beautiful, but but how do we feel it and not take it in right and that's what we are discovering yeah right like our parents didn't really understand that there's a lot of things that we are bringing to them based on what we learn and consciousness and all that that we're going to cover because i think you're an excellent person to have this conversation with but speaking of our parents for me being dominican I think that we grow up seeing storytellers in the most original Mm -hmm. form, right? Like our families, we can never say, oh, this happened to me the other day. I went here and that was it. No, it's like, so let me tell you. So I was walking and like, it's just, we carry this embodiment of wanting everyone to listen, of sharing it and having everyone feel it. So for me, it it has inspired me a lot. Is that something that you can relate to? Yeah, 100%. Right? 100%. You know, uh, Beautiful brown people are beautifully brown in expressiveness. Yes. <laughs> like yes. they're uh, they're just yeah. they're um yeah maybe that's maybe that's a dad thing right my pops is, is big mm-hmm. I saw him yeah play. he's loud he's mm-hmm. big he's abrasive <laughs> he's, <laughs> yes um but he's not boring mm-hmm. uh, I don't think we I mean we yeah. might have boring family members sorry guys but most of our culture is so colorful yeah. And it's so expressive and it's so inviting that even like our conversations are like so up there on the dramatic scale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mad drama. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So talking about our culture, you wrote The Real James Bond is Dominican. Yeah. That's how we met. I was introduced to you through your cousin Adwin. And there's so much I can say about that play. And I told you that day, like. Uh, what I thought about it and I cannot wait to see where it goes but where do we start with that what was your inspiration to say I want to tell this story the inspiration was um it's in the show I mean an article was sent to me Mm -hmm. um by a by my homie Peter Jensen shout out to Peter I haven't spoken to him in a minute Uh, (laughs) and and Peter sent me this article he said yo I, I think you would I think you would dig this um and it it like cracked my world open. Mm-hmm. This this man, this twice the richest man in the world, this uh, the greatest living playboy, you know, which mm-hmm. is the part that interests me the least. This um, best friends with kings and queens and presidents, and followed by the FBI for seventeen years, and an alleged political assassin. Like this this man of color, this Dominican man, mm-hmm. who no one knows who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, Porfirio Rubirosa, he just kind of uh, vanished, and and I needed to know why. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is like you know uh, we can get, we can take it there. It's like I was vi- I was visited and mm-hmm. um, and I was given an assignment that mm-hmm. said that said tell my story and and I tell it uh, because it also scares me. You know, because you saw the show, but um, I don't want to. I, I see a lot of warnings. Um, about what it means to sell yourself and what it means to fit yes. in and what it means to be seen. Um, and as someone who's in the business of being seen, um, I'm tempted often to change myself to be seen. Mm. Um, and Ch- you can only do that so many times. That was a big part of yeah. what I felt and um, in your play. It was very impactful to, to realize that that's what we're doing. We're changing ourselves to be seen. People don't consciously know that they're altering a little bit 
so they can like fit this mold. So you felt called. You felt like this is your story to tell for us, right? Yeah, it's my story to explore and to tell. Yeah. Right. And you did a great job. Yeah, it still happened. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So what are if you can touch on one thing though, um, that you talked about about our culture, right? It's yeah. so layered, guys, and it would be <laughs> an entire episode on just that. Yeah. Uh, but what is something you can say that you would like someone to take away from there? Uh, a takeaway is that oftentimes uh, this image, this mold, um, this mold wasn't created by us for us. Mm-hmm. And we hold ourselves to that place. So as a little kid, I watched a lot of people who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. Um being, I think everyone wants to be seen mm-hmm. and everyone wants to be heard and everyone has that right and everyone should be seen and heard and should know that they take up space and have value. But according to the magazines and the billboards and the people dressed up like sandwiches and the TV, <laughs> you know, um, right. what it means to take up space and be seen looks a very specific way. Oh, only a certain only way. Only a certain right. way. And that mm-hmm. way does not have usually my nose mm-hmm. and my ears and mm-hmm. my lips. Um mm-hmm. And my skin color, and if it does, you know, or my curly hair, which I usually have curly hair, it's all shaved now, but <laughs> which I dig, um, you know. And if it does, it's it's usually uh, exoticized or hyper, hyper ethnic, over romanticized, and, and um, yeah. yeah. So I guess the takeaway—that's a long-winded way of saying like, uh, how corny can we get? You are beautiful, you know. That, like, no, no, that's true. Uh, yes. You are beautiful uh, because of who you are. You're incredibly... Can I curse? Yes. You're incredibly fucking... Everyone has come on today to curse. Yeah. It's good. (laughs) But it's real. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, I have to say that in your... Watching your play, I had a moment where I realized that in our culture, that's true as well. Right? So, like, for me, the moment I realized I was brown was because of a Dominican who said, Mm. you look like the help. And I was like, what? As a kid, you know? So to me, I was like, I look like the hell. And I was, you know, a tough kid. So I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, La Sirvienta, the maid, is brown like you. And I was like, whoa, like, what does that mean? You know? And as an adult, now I see how subconsciously you can take that in and not in a good way. And we're kids. You know, we were two kids, so we were taught these things that it comes from what you're saying. If I look at a magazine, I'm not going to. Now we see it more. But growing up, I didn't really see myself represented. And if we watch Telemundo, no offense, I still don't see myself represented. They're like, I haven't seen a lead morenita with curly hair in in there. You know what I mean? I'd love to. You know, I'd love to also like let's not get like this show is not just like. Uh, America and Hollywood, the right. colorism exists all over the world. Right. Um, colorism exists in Japan. Color ex- colorism exists in Korea where you can whiten your skin on the way to the subway. Colorism exists uh, in every Walgreens where you can buy skin whitening cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, colorism exists in Ghana. Colorism exists everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, colorism, colorism exists in my Dominican grandmother who is black mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and doesn't want me to date black girls. Yeah. One of your guests on the show said... She she was African American yeah. and she said, I never even realized you guys dealt with the things that we deal with. Yeah. And I was like, girl, come over here, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I know you touched on that about dating dark skinned girls and all that stuff. Yeah. Tell us more about that. About dating? About, Gosh. <laughs> that's a whole Where other do you episode want to begin? Too. <laughs> yeah. But that affected even your love life, right? It did. Uh it, it kind of drove me crazy. <laughs> Cause I had to ask it, it drove me a little crazy. I had to ask the question. Honestly, I had to ask the question, why have I dated so many white women? Hmm. Was there like a moment or did you just end a relationship? Or at what point did you ask yourself that question? I think it just started to bug me, you know, Mm. and and I started to know that I never asked the question. Mm -hmm. And the question is important because do I think these women are beautiful organically or is it because they're they're the they're what beauty looks like in in media um do i want to hold their hands because i am 
defined by whose hand I hold. This is so deep, guys. Uh, and I had to really ask the question and to tie it into Porfirio Rubirosa. I mean, I really just evaluated how many white women he was with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a man who in the 1940s whitened his skin and got a nose job. Mm-hmm. That was also like like a stab in the chest, you know. And, right. Um, Takeaway, we got to know our bodies are beautiful and we have to ask questions. And this isn't, I mean, all like, it doesn't matter who you date. It's not about like color and stuff, but we have to ask, why am I with this person? Is this, is this genuine? Do I like this? You know, and mm-hmm. I'd hope that, I'd hope that the many white women who are into me would ask like, do I think he's exotic? Or do I think he's a poppy <laughs> chulo know, like, and like, he's so smooth? Like, am I and, getting my, my, my fix or yeah. am I, do I like Chris Rivas as a person? Right, 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 right. You know? Um, I think it, I think it is a conversation worth having. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually know it is because you I'm seeing it. it. I'm lived it yeah. and I'm seeing it. And every time I bring it up in the show, it's. Most oh. people are like. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. It was, it was really nice to watch. First of all, you talk about a lot of facts in the show. Um, so yeah. you walk away learning a lot. I don't, I don't want to give it away. But. I don't think artistically or spiritually you can say anything without supporting it with some sort of fact. A hundred percent. And you did that. facts exist. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people say you're totally off. Yeah. With him being Dominican and like, mm-hmm. no way. You're totally off about that. Mm-hmm. So I, ever since I saw it, I was like, wait, I never even thought of that at all. But then like reading up on it and stuff like that, I really like that you give those facts to support your story. But you tell it in a way that you're like being taken on a journey. So you're learning, but you, you know you really don't know that you're learning at the same time. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's the best way to learn. Is right. The, if you're creating, any creators out there, you know you want to be in samurai. You want to like right. stab them in the back without with wisdom, <laughs> without right. them knowing it. Right. So that goes to the point of you being a storyteller. Yeah. Um, I just saw you perform at Two Truths and a Lie. Mm-hmm. Super cool show, by the way. Yeah. Loved it. And I had an audience member tell me how your Soul Pancake uh, video almost made her cry. So you definitely have that going on, Chris. Yeah. Uh, how do you... I'm mad emotional. <laughs> I'm super moody. In a good way, though. <laughs> how do you know, okay, this is the story that I want to tell or I feel connected? What's your process with storytelling? Oh, gosh, it's gone so far. Um, I talked about it in therapy this morning. You did? Uh, I did. You know, because storytelling um, changed my life, and I never set out to be known as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. Um, And knock on wood, and I'm super grateful, this thing Mm -hmm. has taken me all over the world. Right. Um, And taught me a lot about myself and the world and how important it is to be seen and to be heard and all these things I talk about. Right. we all have so many stories. We all are a story. Mm-hmm. Um, we're an abundance of them. It's really important for us to share what we know. Storytelling is the art of sharing what you know. Mm-hmm. And you know because you have lived. And um, and you have lived so you have experienced. And from that is medicine and wisdom. Right. Um, even from going to the grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. like you can turn that into a masterpiece from waiting online to, to judging, to learning that you're judging, you know, to seeing all this stuff happen, right. to the patience, to the traffic, to there's something in there, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's our job to find the magic as storytellers. Everyone is a storyteller. Some people are just aware of it. Right. And some people are aware of the stories they're telling and some people are are trapped inside of these stories that they need to let die. That's really important. So that new ones can grow. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like you're very mindful of Mm. yourself. You're very self-aware. You are walking around observing and taking in. And do you do you think that's had an impact on you being able to tell the stories the way that you do? Yes. Um mindfulness is huge for me. Like on a Yeah. Mm-hmm. On a medicinal, I can only be sane, quiet my mind type way. Mm-hmm. Um to my meditation practice. Do you meditate every, every day? Every day. What's yeah. your practice look like? How do you do it? Uh, I wake up in the morning, I drink an obscene amount of water, mm-hmm. um, and I sit. I sit for between 32 to 40 minutes. Every day. Oh, my goodness. Every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to get up to 40. This mm-hmm. is like, it's taken me 
11 years to get to 32 minutes. Right. It, it takes started, time. It started right, at two minutes, 11 mm-hmm. years ago. Nice. It started with me lying to a girl who asked me if I meditated. <laughs> she was super cute. I said yes. <laughs> um, I knew nothing about it. Right. But I knew that she was cute, so I would try. You were, um, you were being the papi chulo. Yeah, girl, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this lie sent me to... Uh, uh, this is unbelievable. So I like perpetuated this lie long enough oh and started goodness. dating this girl. If she's watching this. Oh, she knows. I'm <laughs> so grateful for you, uh, <laughs> Sophia Wang. <laughs> and uh, she got me for my 21st birthday mm-hmm. a plane ticket to a silent retreat for seven days. Wow. And um, I hadn't really meditated ever. Wait, she got you this and you really hadn't meditated yeah. at this point? Yeah. And so oh, I just showed up and I and I... <laughs> and I and I showed up and I was I was shown and um and revealed and my life was changed. What a beautiful way to learn. My life was changed. It was mm-hmm. the best lie I ever told. It was the best <laughs> gift I ever got. Mm-hmm. Don't lie. But <laughs> but um you never know what's gonna happen. Um but yeah, I meditate every day. Mindfulness is huge for me. Uh, mm-hmm. mindfulness is what allows us to be present, to be conscious so that we're not like uh machines. Right. And you talk a lot about this in your videos. Um about being mindful, gratitude. You know, just I feel like you're always talking about the why of things. Oh, I don't know if that's a huge you, word. Yeah, I feel like uh. you're always like to the point. This is why, you know? And I agree with you that I started meditating maybe like five years ago already. And it started this journey of like this looking within versus trying to fix what's outside of me. And it's changed me for the better. But I agree also that it helps you become a better storyteller. Because if you're telling a story, like just looking like, what are they going to say? Versus I'm just going to show you and I'm going to share with you. You're allowing yourself to get in the journey and then share the journey with whoever is listening. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I see that with you all the time. (laughs) Um, I have a question about. You're, this summer, you were in the UK, right? I was. What were you doing in the UK? Uh, I was awarded uh, a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a 2018 Ariana the Rothschild Fellow for mm-hmm. Social Entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So the Rothschild Foundation brought out uh, 18 social entrepreneurs from, from around the world, around the world uh, to share space, talk about how uh, we can not only make money but create social impact. Mm-hmm. Um how actually you should be making money when creating social impact mm-hmm. um, so that you can actually duplicate it and make it on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really challenging. It was really uh, profound work that I'm still experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was about discovering my worth. I think for other fellows, it was about like uh, taking their already ridiculously incredible businesses to mm-hmm. the next level, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a business. Um, I was my I was myself. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I just, you must have felt a little insecure about just yeah, I, bringing yourself. I spent the like, first couple of days wondering why I was there, but mm-hmm. they were so unbelievably generous at making me realize that I was there because of because of what I am, mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the way I see the world, because of my ability to to, to listen to story, to adapt story, to create story, to tell mm-hmm. story. Um, and how important that is in social impact, in entrepreneurship, in, in, in brand success, you know, and it's the work I'd already been doing with brands and companies. Uh, I guess the funny thing about storytelling is like, I never set out. I, I asked eight friends to take a class for free mm-hmm. four years ago. Um, that free class turned into a very not free class, uh, a very in demand class that turned into me working with the WWE and, you know, refugees for the UNHCR. Um, that and, is powerful work. Yeah. You're not like doing some light stuff. You know what I mean? And for people to see after a storyteller, you're just giving a whole new meaning to it of what that can look like. Yeah. I didn't start booking work as an actor. For all the actors listening, <laughs> until I realized that my job was to tell the story and not be good looking. Right. You know, I, I really suffered from good looking motherfucker syndrome. <laughs> you know, which is like you think you're the you right. think you're you think you're what's important, but story mm-hmm. is what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a facilitator of story and you believe that, then you serve the story. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes a bit about an act of service, right? Less about me, more about how can I help. Mm-hmm. 
commercials, mm-hmm. television, film. Like you want to serve the product and mm-hmm. you want to serve the family and the community and all of that. And that, yeah, so storytelling definitely made the acting also make much, sense. And much better, yeah. I would say. And, and letting you audition in that way. Mm-hmm. Versus, oh, I better book this. Or, you know, how do I look for this thing all the time? That's why I cut my hair off so I don't have to look at myself somewhere. I know. You told me. That's like, <laughs> like And you wrote a short about... I did. Yeah, I have a, a short what, called it's Calm Your Curls. No? Yeah, it's doing really well. Um, it's Just probably going gonna, with the inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably going to be on a channel that everyone can see soon, which is cool. That's amazing. Um, it, I wrote an essay that got published called Calm Your Curls mm-hmm. um, about having curly hair in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the challenge of that, believe it or not. And uh, To touch yeah. on why it's a challenge for you is because you, you would embody like the slick it back kind of look or why would the curly hair be a challenge? Why is it is curly hair a challenge? Um, because because you're always having to uh, navigate mm-hmm. tremendously like uh, how curly, you know, how much do I relax it? How much stuff do I put in it? Mm-hmm. Um, do I let it fly? Is it just a single curl? <laughs> you know, like how ethnic right. am I trying to go? That's a, how ethnic am I trying to you go? You know, yeah. um, fine line between like, uh, you know, like edgy <laughs> and like, oh, that's a little too much. Like, <laughs> right. A little too much brown right. for me. <laughs> right. Um, right. And, and it was always a game. And mm. It was always a game in my head. And it was, I know it was a game for casting. And I know it was, you know, because I was still seeing myself in the eyes of other people. Mm. I was like trying to see myself through other people's eyes as opposed to seeing myself through my own eyes. Right. Um, and that also goes back to our first, uh, what we first talked about is what you see out there. Yeah. Right? Like mm-hmm. for me, when I started acting, I still don't get Latina parts. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I am, listen, I, I can make some mango any day of the week. <laughs> you know, Spanish was my first language and I don't get them. So they're like, oh, you should start with straight hair. So here I am, like, every auditioning, like, let me blow dry this hair because I got to fit this thing. Now I've surrendered and I'm like, this is me, you know, and any part I get, I'll get like this. But you do think, like, is this going to impact, like, if I'll get it or not? All those questions do come to mind, especially in our lovely field. Um, So you told me that you do something here in L.A. in Skid Row as well. Is that correct? I do. I work with... um I work with the homeless uh, doing storytelling workshops mm. for an organization called LAMP. Um, and anyone who's listening, if you know another organization, I'd love to volunteer my time. Um, it's always volunteer. Uh, and I give them a place. I run them through this series that I've created um, mm. within my workshops and a series of free rights. And I give them a place to, to say what they know. Mm. And they know. How has that been, like, watching them tell their stories? Uh Amazing. I mean, uh, I, I guess we just can't. I too. How much time do I spend imagining that I know a person, like mm. that I can even know anything about them unless I ask or unless I give them space to be heard? Um, and how much time do does the homeless community get the space to be heard? Hmm. Right. Right. Who's giving them that space? Um, like a safe space just to like say what they know, to express themselves. Uh, so, I mean, I learn a lot, but it's really less about what I learn and more about like just sharing community with humans who are humans. They're, right. Um, I, lately I've been, a lot of my work has, and my meditations have been on the forgotten because um, there are people in this world that are the forgotten ones, um, people in jail. Uh, that we don't see. That we don't just see, we just don't see, so mm-hmm. they become forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, the homeless, mm-hmm. We're good at not seeing. Um, you know, anyone who's in tremendous suffering. You know, like the forgotten, mm-hmm. um, because because we're upset that like they ran out of almond milk. You right. know, which is fine. That's a problem. I ain't like I ain't no. I get <laughs> it. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny you bring up suffering. I think that's really important uh, to talk about. And I feel, you know, everyone experiences that, right? Yeah. A lot of trauma. <laughs> we all suffer. But what do you think, how do you think you can overcome the suffering aspect of trauma and mm. elevate? How, how have you been able to do that? You don't have to get too personal, but how have you been able to do that for yourself? 
Yeah, so I think first of all, suffering is suffering. I don't I don't want to be under the assumption that like uh, you not having coffee in the morning mm-hmm. is not like a version of suffering, mm-hmm. right? Um, I do believe in sort of, uh, this isn't to convert, but the Buddhist idea that says like it's your attachment to the suffering that, that, cre- that, that really, really drives into the ground, you mm-hmm. know, where the two arrows theory, like you get shot by the arrow, but the thing that hurts more is your story about why you got shot by the right, arrow. Right, 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 Just right, take right. care of the arrow. Right. Just handle it. You're you know? caught up <laughs> like, in that for sure. Yeah, just yeah. handle the arrow. Don't start a story around it. So mm. as a storyteller, I know how dangerous stories can be simultaneously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, trauma, how do, we, how do we recover from trauma? I think we have to um, know it's there. Mm-hmm. That's like one thing with storytelling. We have to actually claim it. it. Claim mm-hmm. it. Blame elegantly. If you're going to blame someone or something for all the shit, you have to blame them for all the joy as well. Mm. So we claim it. We bring it to the light. You know, we take it out of the cupboard. We see it. We sit with it. We rest with mm. it. We um, That's the hard part, I think. That's hard, yeah. Sitting with we it. We make love to it. We do all the things. Yeah, that's you when know? you're like, oh, I don't want to. And that's how you... um. That's how you take out the medicine mm. and you and you leave all the rest behind. Mm-hmm. I think th- so that's like one of our jobs is um is is to become present and in order to become present we have to t- certain things have to die in us. Mm-hmm. Every the spiritual day. awakening is like that. Yeah. It's parts of you that are dying. The stories. You, you got to let them die. You got to let them go. Right. Right. You, ha- you know, and it's an active, letting go is an active process. I wish it was as easy as like let go, but it's, you mm-hmm. have to actively let go. Mm-hmm. Um, let go, side note. I always think of the Frozen song. Yeah. I'm always like, girl, you need to let this go. It's a great song. <laughs> it just plays over and over. I think that's why like... it blew up, you know? <laughs> I think deep down inside, both parents and kids were like, I do have to let it go. <laughs> yeah, like, I got a lot of shit to let there go. There were definitely parents listening. Like, Shout out to Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Is that Adina? I don't know. Nina Menzel, I think so, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Rent. But I was like, <laughs> damn, that's so true. The story of like, I got to be this or this is who I am, you know. Yeah. And recently my story is like, I don't get Latina jobs. Girl, make your own. Let that go. You know what I mean? So I agree. Like we need to look at it, acknowledge it, feel it, and let those emotions come through, right? And then be able to like let it go. Yeah. We uh, create a lot of, um, so I, I often say most people walk around the world um, just like with their shields. They mm-hmm. got like exact, they got their, they, they're like blocked off. They know what keeps them safe because right. they've been hurt and, and they know when to look left, when to look right, how much to look up, how much to open themselves, mm-hmm. how to, you know, like, and what if you could really just constantly put yourself into a state where you felt safe enough to be surprised? Where you where you felt safe enough that like you no longer need these shields. Mm. You built those shields because of something that happened in the past, and that that thing in the past wasn't given to you or didn't happen um, to close you, but to open you. Like Hafiz says, I cried enough tears until I dug myself a permanent smile. It's actually um, we're being opened. Mm-hmm. We're not being shut down. We're being opened. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just get that story twisted. Right, and it's definitely on you. Have you read the Untethered Soul, Michael A. Singer? He talks about, um, damn it, like the branch that we start to like protect, and then we have this cast, and then we're like walking in everywhere with this thing that happened, but it was happened to us to open us Mm -hmm. and to bring us closer to ourselves. You know what I mean? Well, the human body does the same scar tissue, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of just letting your your wound heal. It's like taking the time to sit and recover. <laughs> it just keeps covering it up. Right. Just keeps covering it up. And then yeah. eventually it causes, you can't even use your shoulder anymore. Yep. Because you got so much scar tissue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at the very beginning, when you get bruised, sit with it. Mm-hmm. Ice it. Unless you're a professional athlete. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So this sounds to me like being vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerability is, um, yeah, I mean, yes. It yes. sounds like, you know, even to sit with yourself. But I think that word's got a bad... Uh, it may has had, but you you're vulnerable. I feel like you are a vulnerable, oh, oh, honest yeah. person. Yeah. And um, I don't have time for anything else. We don't have time for acts. We do that all yeah. the time. Um, that's what I mean in the sense of allowing yourself to f- be there and feel that without trying to manipulate or change it. Again, the beginning of our conversation is we we don't know this, but we're like walking around like oh well. 
I can be, I can mold here and like, oh, I can mold here. And in the process, who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So vulnerability sounds like that's what it also takes to, you know, turn your traumas into a gift. I like courage more than vulnerability. Do you? Okay. Because I think courage might even give me the vulnerability to, like, I imagine being so brave, being so courageous that I, um, I can throw away everything about who I thought I was. Like, that's living courageously. Mm-hmm. It's throwing away your own story every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Every day waking up and being like, God, I thought I was this, but I'm actually so much more. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've actually only scratched the surface. But in order to get that more, I have to throw all this stuff away mm-hmm. with gratitude. Yes. All of it, the good and the bad, so that I can be that more more loving, more compassionate, more talented, more grateful, more abundant, more. You name that more. Right. Every human being is capable of so much more. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got to untether. Mm-hmm. Gotta untie it. Gotta let it go. Do you want to try singing it? Yeah, let it go. (laughs) I won't try because they will literally turn this off. Um, But a hundred percent. Yeah, it's courage. It's courage to throw. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea of who you think you are. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what that show is. My, you know, the real James Bond is about. It's me asking questions about like, who am I? Right. Who do I think I am? And why do my? And why do I think I'm this way? You know, why do I think I like this? And why do I eat like this? And why do I do this? And why do I hold my leg like this? And, you know, that's mindfulness. They're all... You questions. Yeah. And anything you anything you work on, who like if you're listening and you're like, I do have to be more vulnerable and more courageous and more mindful. You do one, you've done them all. Right. That's, that's key. It, it's not... It's really not that hard. It's not like I have to fix my whole life. It's like, no, I just have no. to be kinder. Mm-hmm. To myself. (laughs) To yourself first, 100%. And I think, you know, on this journey, everyone has different beliefs, but people have this idea like, oh, I'm going to be spiritual. Everything is going to be great. That's the biggest lie. Yeah, spiritual indigestion. Oh, first of all, it's a mess at first when you start being aware of yourself. Yeah. Right? Of like, oh, maybe I was doing this just to impress that person. It's not really what I want to do. Right. Or maybe I was living this life for someone else. Yeah. You know, and that sucks. Yeah. I think I read books and meditated for so long. If I'm honest, I think until like a a year or two years ago, did I realize that like I was doing it because I thought I had to be better. (laughs) Right. Like you had to fix yourself. I had to be better. Like Mm -hmm. I had to fix myself. Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't good. Mm -hmm. So I had to be better. And this is what better people do. Cause I read an article of what 10 successful CEOs do in the morning or, you know, like nine ways to conquer your life, you know, like (sighs) uh, all these things that tell me I, at this moment, I'm not good enough. Um, but now I meditate to like, to to play, to rest Mm -hmm. more, Mm -hmm. to have more joy. Just like, it's not about betterment. It's about like loving myself more, becoming more of myself. What is your, uh, practice self-love you know self-love looks differently for everybody uh, i think the media promotes go to the spa get your nails done that's all great but what is your practice? i do like a good manicure <laughs> i do um, what's your practice you know to what's, give yeah. yourself that love yeah what's my self-love practice um lately i've been writing myself a love poem every day I'm a love poem f- do 40- you have one you can share with us yeah i do um i'm 48 days in mm-hmm. um and it's important for me because I've spent so much time writing love poems for others, mm. being inspired by others, making other people my muses, that I needed to turn myself into my own muse. I needed to become my own inspiration, my own love. I needed to Netflix and chill with myself. I needed to desire myself. I needed to turn myself on. I needed mm-hmm. to, you know, Dan, like, you are so fine, Chris. <laughs> like, you are so fly, you know? I think I've shared one of your poems. Do you put them on Instagram? I do. Yeah. I've shared your stuff a lot. Let's see. Um... This was number 42, uh, and it's a very simple one, and it says, Rest easy, my love. Rest in it. With eyes open, with heart open, with hands open. Rest easy, my love. Rest. Just love poems to myself. I love (laughs) that. That's so beautiful. I mean, I'm sure it's taken a lot for you to get to this point where you're like, wait a minute, I need to love myself. Oh. 
It's taken it's taken a lot. You've probably had a lot of experiences that have catapulted you to this point. Well, yeah, I think I've expected everyone else to, sh- to tell you. me how great I am because mm. I didn't know it. Mm. I needed them to show me whether that was people I was dating or things I put on my resume. Um, I've been constantly looking for affirmations of my worth in the world. And uh, no one can tell you what you're worth. No one. Uh, if you don't know it. If you don't take the time to know it, to explore it. Uh, and so that's what I'm doing now. And that's that's what this this latest journey has been about, just exploring my worth. Right. Uh, and as, I feel like as kids, we know it and then we forget. Right? Because when we're kids, we're like... I remember saying, I'm going to be the president of the United States, all mm. right? I'm going to be the president. I'm going to fly everybody. I just thought I can have everything I wanted to have. And then you start growing up and life shows you, nope, it's not how it works, buddy. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't just get that because. So it kind of taints you a little bit of like, wait, why can't, am I not good enough? Or like, what's wrong with me? You know, and then you start your journey and you're like, wait a minute, I am worthy of these things that I want, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, again, ha- having to do with healing our experiences and like sitting with them. You said the why earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I do remember those moments as a kid. As a no. kid, I didn't like myself. Really? I like hated how I looked. I hated how I sounded. I was little. I was like actually little, like I was four foot 11 <laughs> until my until the 10th grade. Oh, that's Yeah, from 9th to 10th grade, I grew a foot. Point then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I like hated myself, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I'm such a good actor, because <laughs> I wanted to be someone else. Um, you, you, you were being someone yeah. else. Right. Uh, and so my drive that has gotten me so much so called success has only been because I wanted to prove that I was worthy. So my my energy, my why for so long has been about proving something, right. proving it to myself, proving it to the haters. I didn't have any haters. I had myself. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the all, ultimate hater. You know, like. When haters came out. Yeah. I had zero haters. Too. Yeah. Like, who's hating on a 15 year old? Like, yeah. well, now it's different. But like, we didn't have social media. Who's hating on us? Yeah. I Nobody. Am, I was. Um, on myself. Yeah. And, um. But now my why, because this why is important. It's like the word th- that takes up a lot of my practice. My why is um, is that like not only am I worthy, I am worth. Uh, mm. Like mm-hmm. worth, period. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not like a cup that gets full. I'm the thing. I'm the, I'm the fountain that's constantly filling right. cups. Um, mm. You know, it's, that's my why. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to come from a proving place anymore. Um, cause that's a, that's a low form of energy, right? That's For like, sure. a, that's, I mean, it worked. It gave me all that drive and mm-hmm. that hustle and that dedication and mm-hmm. na, 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 and I wanted to be perfect and I wanted to be the best partner and the best friend and the best actor and, you know, Chris exhausting, yeah. exhausting. It's funny you say that because in my second year of law school is when I realized that that was my why. Oof. It's exhausting. To prove. I, I mean, law school, it's like, you just, you you gotta be smart, Right. You know, there was a shift from, I'm a lawyer, I'm an actor. Like, when I would say I'm in law school, people would be like, you, you're you so smart. Can I ask you a few questions? <laughs> now I'm an actor. Oh, okay. All right. That's that's nice. You know, like, good for you. But I realized my second year, like, wait, I'm doing this, not for anyone else, but I felt so unworthy that I I thought... If I am the smartest person in the room, I made it. Hmm. So three degrees, that makes me worthy of your respect, right? That, that was my mentality. And it was tough to acknowledge that because I was just, you know, working so hard. But no, 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 that's not. I was trying to achieve that respect and admiration through becoming this person that I truly didn't desire. And I was great at it. I <laughs> Let me tell you, I can go in any classroom and be the smartest and top third of my class. But I was like, if I continue this, I'm going to be in my 40s an alcoholic and very miserable. Yeah, it's unsustainable. <laughs> right. Sustainability is something I'm into. We talk about it for the planet, but I don't know if we talk about it for our own lives enough. Mm. Like, is my life sustainable? For, just- especially for artists. Like any artist who's listening, any big dreamer. Mm-hmm. 
Is your life sustainable? Um, or are you only happy when you get your next job or your next gig? Um, are you only happy when someone's showing your art? Are you only happy when you get clapped for? Um, are you happy when you're at home alone? Mm-hmm. When you wake up in the morning? Like, um, are you, is your life sustainable? And, and, right. and that was the big shift for me. Why I, need, I knew I needed a new why because mm-hmm. my life was not sustainable. This persona that you had was not. Yeah, it couldn't maintain it. Mm. If if it if it was only about my resume, you know, if it was only highs and lows, there weren't enough highs to keep me high. No, especially in our career. Yeah. It takes a while before we get that many highs. You know what I mean? Even then, I mean, how many wonderful actors and artists who are, have we seen kill themselves? And are not happy. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing, that we're in a position where we can discover and we can talk about these things and... Our older generations didn't have this opportunity. They mm-hmm. could have been struggling with this persona that was not sustainable, but they didn't know that's what was going on. So yeah. they forced themselves to keep it, you know, and cause even more pain. And that's why I have this podcast. I wrote this book because I was like, if there's anyone out there who wants to take the leap, please take it. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard. Yes. It's much better to be <laughs> unconscious of your behavior and just continue to be like, this is me. It's much easier, I feel, than to be like, time to get real. Yeah, ignorance is bliss until you've tasted bliss. So there's a lot of people that are not doing this. Yeah. And our, our, my mission is to inspire people to do it. And the more people who do it or, like, make themselves happy or find that joy or, you know, it's a more human beings in the planet who are like, dreams do come true. I, mm-hmm. I can have what I want. The vibration of the whole planet is lifted. Like you actually serve the planet as a whole. You, you know, um, we're co-creating this thing together. Life needs us as much as we need life. Mm-hmm. Or God needs us as much as we need God. Like right. we're co-creating together. Um, and yeah, ignorance is bliss until you've tasted bliss. The rest right. is just ignorance. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. So I have questions from Miami. Hit me. Three Miami people, by the way. Hit me, And you Miami. lived in Miami. I did. One of my favorite places. Laura from Miami, she wants to know how... You already touched on it a little bit of how you started acting and engaging that in high school. But how do you stay motivated with so many different skills and talents mm. and passions? So there's a great film that everyone should see called uh, Ruben Blades Is Not My Name. Mm. And Ruben Blades is like a salsa, you know, he's like a, he's like a pioneer and a yes. king and he's an essential part of salsa. And, and I didn't know why he had a documentary about him because I was like, I got it. And like the dude does salsa. Mm-hmm. I get it. He drums, he sings. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that he, uh, he wrote while he was a male boy, um, you know, working in the mail room, three of like the dopest Salsa songs of all time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that uh, he taught himself the drum because it was fun and that his first concert was at Madison Square Garden and that he started singing because it was fun and that he got a Harvard Law degree because it was fun. and he, he Yeah, and he no ran way. for the president of Panama and, and wow. uh, came in third because it was fun and then was the head of the cultural ministry there for five years and um, is now like the predominant writer for uh, all Venezuelan conflict and um, also has starred in over 30 films and television shows. Um Jack of all trades right there. It's not jack of all trades. It's it's, it's jack of joy. Mm. And that's what he says. Like I like that. Let's, re- let's call it jack of joy. <laughs> it's the jack of joy. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. And he, what he says is, uh, I just did whatever brought me joy. Mm. And then all of these creations kind of, I just, I just ran into my manifestations of joy. But, but really, I was just staying in joy and knowing that my joy somehow brought other people joy. But, but I wasn't focused on anything but the joy. Mm-hmm. And look at all this stuff that came from it. Mm-hmm. And so... Is her name Laura? Yes. Laura, I have a ton of skills, um, and I used to be afraid of them, like I was like I was spreading myself too thin, but they are all under the umbrella for me of true joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm doing f- dope Fantastic. work. <laughs> yeah, you but know. you know, I, joy. For some people who are like, ah, that's a whole bunch of spiritual talk. Yeah. Let's be realistic. Is that... Is what is that like? What do you mean? You just did these things for joy, you know? I think the the the, the realistic is like uh, think about a time where you weren't thinking about your bank account or your rent check or um, where you were just present, like where you were hundred mm. percent present. And you were like, "Damn, I feel good. I don't have a problem in the world. I'm exactly where I need to be." Like that feeling. If you focus on wanting to feel that, 
that serves everyone. Like people feel that you feel that. Like mm-hmm. that's what you deserve. That's why you were put on this planet mm-hmm. was to feel that, to feel grounded and connected and present and to not think about the email you have to send in the to-do list and what you might have or might not have said to Margaret or Jenny or Adam <laughs> or why didn't she respond to my text message or, you're not you in know, that headspace. Yeah, just you're just present. And, mm-hmm. and that's such a powerful, beautiful place to be for everyone. And uh, I feel that when I'm acting, when I'm telling stories, when I'm teaching, when I'm talking about this work that I love with you, um, when I'm writing, when I'm creating, when I'm facilitating, Mm -hmm. so that everything I do, you know, puts me present. And the more present I am, the more I can serve others, the more I can inspire and give joy um, Mm -hmm. and motivate and tell someone without telling them, you know, do, do, do what you love. Do what feels good. Do what feels good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you will be rewarded. I agree with you. You definitely will be rewarded. Yeah. For that. And, uh, you know, like for me, making the shift that I made, I thought like, man, I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be this actor. And as a lawyer, I know I'm going to be great. I'm, I already have like seven years of experience and I'm just going to go into this. But... My life has been amazing from the minute that I said, and, and amazing doesn't mean nothing happens. A lot happens. But from the minute that I said, I'm going to commit to following this dream and being this thing, it just makes you, it makes the problems that you have, because everyone has them, smaller, right? It's like you feel, you're in so much joy that you feel you can conquer all these things. Like all these things are going to be great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. We have Nikhil from Miami as well. Tell us more about being a social entrepreneur. What is that? What does that look like? Uh, For me, it looks like, and and maybe for all, what it looks like is uh, you were aware of society. (laughs) Like you're aware kind of of the forgotten ones. You're aware that um, there's more than just you. You're aware that uh, as humans, we're kind of like viruses and we suck up a lot. (laughs) Like we do a lot of... We leave a lot of harm in our wake. Um, mm-hmm. You're just a more aware. Mm-hmm. You're more aware and more mindful, um, but you're also creative as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you take that creativity um, because there's nothing more creative than creating your life. It's Believe me, it's not about art or painting or acting. We're it's, all creators. There's nothing more creative than creating your life. And so you mm-hmm. take that creativity um, and you plug it into a social component that 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 can that can help others, but also help yourself because you want to create your life because, mm-hmm. yeah, you deserve a Tesla because mm-hmm. um, that also helps the environment. Mm-hmm. Like, you deserve your Tesla. You deserve not to think about your rent. Um, You're not just here for the rent. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel that pressure. Yeah, you deserve your abundance. Mm-hmm. And so you use your creativity to not only serve others, but to serve yourself. Mm-hmm. That's social entrepreneurship. And so for me, it's as a storyteller. Um, how can the art and the stories I tell and the things I write and my acting and my Instagram and any platform I'm given be an opportunity to creatively um, give back, creatively give back, yeah, serve. Right. And I think you do, like I mentioned, through your Instagram. There's some videos that I'm like, oh, I definitely needed to hear that. <laughs> so annoying. Chris, thanks. <laughs> you know, and I think that's amazing. Even taking a platform like that and saying, I'm going to speak this into existence. And there's probably someone out there who wants to listen to this and help them. Yeah, well, you know? I couldn't really interact with that platform unless unless I did it that way, you know, because yeah. mm-hmm. it's a dangerous platform. It is very dangerous. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Unrealistic things go on there all the time. Yeah. And I I honestly tell people straight up, like, not everything is perfect. It's just our highlight reels. That's what's on here. Mm -hmm. You know? So I'm not going to get on here and do a live of me crying when I didn't book an audition that I really wanted, you know? But that happens, you know? Or if I'm stressed about something, I'm not going to say, hey, guys, this is what's going on. I'm just going to get on here and share good stuff with you, you know. So yeah. it's important to know, like, it's just a highlight reel. Yeah. You know. Last question for Miami. What story moved you in such a way that you felt you needed to become a storyteller? Oh, easy. Um, I went with this uh, wonderful human um, who I just met to Big Sur. Uh, if you haven't been, you should go. Beautiful redwood trees and ocean and amazingness. Mm-hmm. And um, we happened to do a bunch of mushrooms. While we were there, uh, and while we were on mushrooms, all our stuff was uh, taken from us. Like all our our whole campsite vanished. 
No way. Um, what do you mean vanished? Exactly. <laughs> oh uh, my goodness. And so on mushrooms, I had my car keys, and so I'm on mushrooms in the dark in Big Sur, and we we somehow go on this journey to go find our stuff. Um, Why does this sound like the beginning of a scary movie? <laughs> no, it's not. It's you know, Where it's beautiful. Like, Let's go find it. It's, it's beautiful, like, oh. and we're like, we're um. God, we're you know we're just like so high literally and physically figuratively uh and we find all our stuff um in the dark on mushrooms at the ranger station because i didn't you know make a reservation and oh um, my goodness but everything everything is there and uh, we get it back and uh i have so many awakenings and realizations and i have that that purest joy like i talked about and i knew that I had something to, to say and to share. And for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, my God, I have to share this. Because uh, not only is it fun and playful, but it'll, it'll give mm-hmm. back. Like, mm-hmm. people will be grateful for it. I just knew um, when you make a declaration like that, life gives you the opportunity. And I was given this storytelling competition, and I won. And then I was like, I think I'm home. I think mm-hmm. I'm home in mm-hmm. this work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means yet, but I'm going to explore it. And four years later, I'm still learning. Right. What that means for you. What it means. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we all have stories that are like, did that really happen? Yeah. We all you know? have stories. <laughs> I just had, I had a summer that was like, did that really happen? Yes, it did. So I asked my guests in each episode three questions. Yeah. One, do you have any regrets? And that could be with your career, relationships, or any impactful decisions that you made that you maybe are like, damn it, I regret doing that. Does anyone say yes? I don't want to give it away, but okay. every, I think most people have said yes. And I've been shocked. Oh, wow. Right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess because I'm such a, like, a realist in the sense that I can't go fucking back in time, mm. I got to say no. It doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. You, of, know it, you know it meant something for your path. Whether Like I'm here now. Right. I'm only here because of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm only here because of it. That's not airy-fairy. That's not mysticism. It's like, I only get to stand here, sit here with you, with you, because of what happened. Mm -hmm. I can't regret it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Got it. And what is one thing that you're grateful for? So I know you personally. (laughs) I know you walk in gratitude. I know that you're about that, you know. But for today, what is one thing that you can say I'm so happy that I have this in my life. Uh, I'm madly in love with my community. You know, Mm. like I'm madly in love that you're in my community. Mm. Like I got a dope ass community of beautiful, powerful people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like last night I was in love with the people I was with and um, just meeting new people. Like the people in my world right now are Mm -hmm. just so beautiful Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and brave and courageous and they give me life. Um, Mm -hmm. So my community, uh, yeah, people in my life, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say relationships are really important. Yeah. I think that's really success, how your relationships are in your life. Yeah, I don't think I always knew that. So the last question is, if this was your last recording, right, we're not going to hear from Chris after this, what would you like to be known for? Mm. How would you like to be remembered? Mm. You know I like this question. As someone who is a... Silly generous, like a bund, like fiercely generous, but also full of joy. Like, like they were like that motherfucker was crazy silly, um, crazy joyful, and unbelievably generous, mm-hmm. or believably generous because he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I I know I think of you like that. Yeah. So that's a good. You're doing your job. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I'm Thank so you. grateful to have you. It's been amazing. To our listeners, where can we find you? Uh, uh, your work. You know the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> www. Uh, yeah, Instagram is Christopher uh, double underscore Rivas because someone's got that other Who took single it? underscore and someone's got it. So both the single underscore and Christopher Rivas are taken Take by him. accounts that don't do anything. No, I know we way. totally reached out. Like um, my management has reached out. All these people have reached out, and they're 
Who knows? So if you know that person and you're listening, hit me up or hit them up. Listen, I know that feeling. Candy is always taken. Yeah. So Christopher, yeah, Christopher double underscore Rivas on Instagram. And then uh, my website, Christopher Rivas Storytelling dot com. Now, you did something for Soul Pancake. I did. What was it called? So they can like look it up. I did. There'll be more of that. It was called, uh, gosh, what's it called? I don't know. If you put my name in with Soul Pancake, it'll come up. Soul Pancake, my name. it is about storytelling. Though. It is. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's that moment. Okay. The moment when. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just I'm just I'm really fortunate. I'm doing a lot of really cool stuff. I'm mm-hmm. working with a lot of cool people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be around. Um, we'll see you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see me. Uh, let's chat story. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Everyone, thank you so much thank for tuning in. And remember to always choose gratitude over fear. Bye. Oh, yeah.